Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Right now, I want to get into the tariff issue once again. As I've said, when the trade deal between uh, the three countries, Mexico, the United States, and Canada, was struck just a little while ago, uh, we on this side of the border were disappointed that the tariffs didn't come off. We kind of anticipated, well, if we get a new deal, then they'll lift them. Well, they didn't. Apparently, that's a separate negotiation, we were told. So as a result, there's some back and forth that's going on right now. And we're told that the U.S. and Canada are working on coming to some sort of a solution on this. However, they're holding hearings in Ottawa right now. And one steel executive says the problem here is Christia Freeland. So her handling of the file, he says, is hurting us, not helping us. That her ego is getting in the way. So she's in the way over her head. Pretty strong words. Uh, and uh, this is all coming... Uh, from a, a gentleman by the name of Barry Zeckelman, chairman and CEO of Zeckelman Industries. I'm going to get Ian Lee into the conversation from the Sprott School of Business up at Carleton University and get some comment about the tariffs. Ian, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, my pleasure, Bill. Uh, Mr. Uh, Zeckelman has some pretty strong words and yeah. some pretty strong opinions about Christia Freeland. Um, you know, I, I certainly haven't phrased the, uh, views that strongly, but it certainly I've expressed similar sentiments. Uh, and uh, part of the reason I couched it and, you know, pulled my punch a little bit is I'm not privy. I'm not in the room. 99.9% of us are not in the room with the players, with the negotiators. Mr. Zeckelman met President Trump privately in Washington. Mr. The, this steel executive, this Canadian steel executive, Mr. Zeckelman, met the U.S. trade negotiator, Lighthizer, privately in Washington. He has had face-to-face, tete-a-tete, personal conversations about this exact and precise issue that is being negotiated. And he is a steel executive. He is in the steel industry. This is what he does for a living. He is the head of a company that makes and sells steel. So nobody can say that this guy does not know what he is talking about. Nobody can say that or even suggest it because it is so obviously patently nonsensical. He the only charge you could say about him if he hadn't met Trump and Lighthizer was, okay, you're being an armchair quarterback, you know, you haven't talked to any of the players. What do you know, Mr. Zuckelman? Well, we can't, uh, critics of him cannot even make that argument. And he claimed, I've read the, the, the transcript very carefully, he claimed a deal could have been had months ago, and the deal is right there on the table right now, and the deal is very clear. They're saying that the U.S., uh, he says, that both Trump and Lighthouser have said, we will get rid of the tariffs 100% if you agree to a quota. Now, I don't, I'm not a fan of quotas. It's managed trade. I don't believe in managed trade, but that's the way it is. We have to deal with reality and not what we would like it to be, some imaginary reality. And imagine that Donald Trump wasn't president. He is president. He is the decision maker. He wants a quota, and that's his price for taking the tariffs off. And and so I I found Mr. Zuckerman's comments to be very very trenchant and be in describing the situation and at the simultaneously I don't even know if that was his intent to reveal that the government of Canada has been concealing this information from us because they said well there's no deal there's no possible deal we're just talking away. Apparently, the deal's been there all along. But didn't we hear that about the, the trade negotiations, too, Ian, that the, the, the deal could have been there as long as you, uh, you know, give up your, uh, the, your supply management, as long as you do this? as long as, In other words, there was a list of, of demands, uh, and if we met all of them, but that, that's not negotiation. That's capitulation. That's not how you're supposed to negotiate, is it? Well, it depends on how badly you want a deal. 
It really does depend on how badly you want to deal. I made that argument many, 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 many times about the, the NAFTA negotiations, that, you know, we knew what they wanted, and, and, and I argued our strategic objective was not to protect six or seven industries. It was to obtain unimpeded access to the U.S., without harassing tariffs and so forth. So that should have been our negotiating strategy, objective, excuse me. And, and then we should have used the protected industries as leverage, as bargaining chips. And the, and the Trudeau government said, no, 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 we're here to protect those protected industries. At the end of the day, after 14, whatever, 15 months, they ended up caving in anyways. So it wasn't as if they didn't give what the Americans were demanding. And all I'm saying on this instance, if we accept Mr. Zuckerman's word, and I have no reason not to, he says the deal is there now. Accept a quota, agreed upon quota of how much you can sell to the states of steel, how many tons of steel, and in exchange they will remove the quotas completely. Now, that seems to me to be a fairly straightforward deal because you negotiate the thing to la- to come to an end at the end of 2020. Why the end of 2020? Because the new president is sworn in in January of 21. And so, you know, so for two months, excuse me, two years, from now until 2000, the end of 2020, we have a quota uh, agreement. Okay, if that's what it takes, I mean, I think that the, the tariff is far more pernicious than having a quota agreement. Um, and then waiting out, waiting, waiting out Donald Trump until he leaves office, and then we'll go to the new administration and say, okay, now let's let's go back to business, normal business practice. I, I got to ask you though, because I, I, I saw that indication too that that he's had dined with Trump and he, he's had meetings with Lighthizer, at least one meeting anyway, face to face meeting. Yeah. And, and my first impression, I got, and I'm not trying to defend Christy Freeland here, but and I'm wondering if, if in, in fact, if Mr. Zeckelman's attitudes here is based more on ideology than it is on pragmatism here. I got a Obviously, he's a fan of Donald Trump. Yeah, I, I and we, if we learned anything, Ian, it's, it's not yeah. to take Donald Trump at his word. Yeah. I interpreted it a little bit differently, but maybe we're saying the same thing in different words. I interpreted that he's a businessman, and he clearly respects businessmen. And in his disparaging comments about, you know, she's way out of her league, I mean, if you look at her career, and I have looked at her career, and I'm, by the way, I am not disparaging her career. I'm just putting it on the table. She was a member of the what what the British famously called, and Jeffrey Simpson from the late of the Globe and Mail used to call the chattering class. And full disclosure, I am a member of that same class. The chattering class are journalists and professors. And we don't run companies. We don't run governments. We don't run anything. We criticize everybody else. We critique everybody else. And so people in the, quote, real world, end quote, I mean, I think I'm in the real world, too, but I get the, I get the reference. People in the real world, and I mean by that CEOs and prime ministers and deputy ministers and cabinet ministers, don't have a lot of time and patience for people like Christia Freeland or me because they see us as just, you know, armchair quarterbacks. Uh, talking heads. And, and so I didn't, I, I don't dispute what you said that he's uh, simpatico with Trump. I don't think, I do not believe he's simpatico with Trump on his vulgar language and his racism. I think it's, it's more on the, you know, he's pro-business, he's pro-low taxes, that sort of thing. And what businessman isn't? I mean, every businessman wants to make money, and they want the government to get out of their way. And Donald Trump says all those things. You know, we're going to deregulate the government and make the government smaller, and we're going to cut your taxes, and they're all just saying, oh, hallelujah, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and uh, so my point being that they're sure he's simpatico, but at the same time, I don't believe that that colors or jaundices or contaminates his statement 
that there is a deal to be had, but we are rejecting it. And, you know, if that's the case, we should be having at least a conversation about that deal in Canada of whether we ought to be rejecting it without a public debate. I didn't know such a deal existed. I thought that there was no agreement of any kind whatsoever, because that's what we've been told by our own government. Now we find out that there is a deal, but we, the, our government has rejected it without telling the Canadian people what the deal entailed. You know, and I, I, I get that, and, and, and I, if in fact that's true, and I, you know, he says Lighthizer told him that, he says Trump told him that, uh, which is not uh, unusual, obviously, for Lighthizer to be singing from the, the, the team songbook. Sure. I mean, that's what, that's what his job fair is, enough. right? Yep, fair enough. Uh, but by the same token, uh, yeah, I, first of all, I, I, I have some concerns about Trump and, and truthfulness. That's one element of it. Yeah. But what about the rest of the steel industry? I mean, this is Zeckelman, uh, who obviously likes Trump and, and likes Trump's policies, etc. Why isn't anybody else in the steel industry on this side of the border speaking up and saying, yeah, yeah, we can live with that. We can live with quotas. I don't hear anybody saying that. Um, you're quite right. Um, uh, my you're asking me, so I'm going to give you yeah, my yeah. reaction. Um, and and I worked for ten years in in banking, where I met one hell, pardon my language, a hell of a lot of business executives. And I continue to meet them in in, in Ottawa because a lot of them come to Ottawa to lobby, and I meet them in the downtown professional organizations and so forth. Most business leaders are terrified of the media. People like you, I mean, they just they're just terrified. I've had many business leaders over the years come to me and say, "How come you talk to the media all the time?" I said, well, you know, they phone me, and I like to talk to them. Well, what are you doing that for? They almost see you as an alien uh, force, <laughs> you, the media. And they're just freaked out, terrified. I really mean that. Bill, I really mean this now. And they they just, uh, most of them are very uh, self-assured in their own hierarchy. You know what I mean? Every, they, they're the top dog. Uh, and they know that they can't control in a media interview. They can't tell the journalist what to write. And they, that lack of control makes them feel, I guess, vulnerable. And they don't trust the media. And so most of them avoid the media like the plague. The thing I thought when I read these comments was, holy Moses. <laughs> that's that's a that's a first. I mean, this is almost a a man bites dog story. I mean, CEOs almost never ever criticize the government because they think, hey, we got to deal with them in the future, and we might need something from them tomorrow or next week. So never criticize our own government. And so I was astonished that he came out so strongly against Christy Freeland. I really was. That was an astonishing uh, move on his part. Well, yeah, and and I got a problem with that. Anybody that makes it personal like that. I mean, if he had said, yeah. "Look, it, I think the Canadian government should should make the deal," uh, and let's face it, Christy Freeland gets her marching orders from from the the cabinet. I mean, you know, and from the prime minister. I mean, yeah. even when we're that close to the, to what turned out to be the USMCA deal, remember she had to go out to Saskatchewan to meet with yeah. the prime minister to say, "Should I or shouldn't I?" That's right. That's so, right. So I mean, I think his I think his anger here is is misdirected to a certain extent. Uh, I, I, I do accept that point, uh, Bill, because I mean, at the end of the day. The Prime Minister is primus inter pares. He is first amongst equals, which is nonsense. He is first, period, full stop. He is the top person. He is like the President of the United States in our country. He signs the bills. He makes the decisions. He appoints the cabinet members. He appoints superior court judges. He appoints deputy ministers. The power of the Prime Minister is profound. And he makes the decisions on the final, whether there's a yay or a nay on any trade agreement. So she, at the end of the day, is a minion, a very skilled, highly you know, intelligent minion. But she is merely doing the bidding of, of, you know, uh, uh, of the prime minister. 
The other element to this, and, and again, I don't see this in any of the comments. Of course, I don't have the text of what Zuckerman said to the committee. We just got the story itself about, about the tone, obviously, yeah, and some of the yeah. comments. Uh, is is you know there's there's no number attached to this. I mean, even if if Zuckerman is is advocating that Canada cut a deal here and and say yeah let's do quotas, what's the quota? I mean because uh, they they put a quota right. on automaking and you know during the USMCA deal, uh, right. which we were able to live with and some That's people right. don't like it, but I mean it was it was compatible with what we could do. We but, don't even know what the U.S. is proposing here. You're quite right. You're quite right, and that's all the more reason why we should this should be ventilated and be, we should be having a conversation in Canada about whether we ought to do a deal, um, a quota in exchange for uh, re- revocation of the tariffs or elimination of the tariffs, and and then of course the very obvious question is okay, <laughs> how big is the quota? Are we getting a big quota? Meaning we can export basically everything we're exporting now, or are we talking something that's going to chop us back? by, I don't know, 10%, 20%? Yes, we've got to discuss that. We don't just sign anything blindly. But that, again, I, I'm just, uh, I was, the, the, the biggest shock for me, aside from the fact that he came out, any CEO came out against the uh, government of Canada, inside Canada, the second biggest shock uh, was the fact that the government has concealed that this offer has been there as a standing offer for quite some time, and they did not share that, disclose that with the Canadian people to have a debate and a conversation. And then we can decide decide how much we want to give up, if anything. Maybe we don't want to give up a penny. Maybe we don't want a quota at all. But at least we need to have that debate because the people in that industry, they have jobs on the line, and they're the ones who are going to bear the burden of whatever decision is made. And uh, from the damned if you do, damned if you don't department, uh, we, the chattering class, would be the first ones to criticize the government if they did that, saying, what are you doing, negotiating in in the media? This is true, Bill. This is true. Good point. Touche. <laughs> Been there, done that, Ian. Both of us have. So. Yes, we have. <laughs> I have, too. Full disclosure, yes, I have. I, I have not yet seen a response from uh, from either the, the Prime Minister or Ms. Freeland on this, So, and, and that'll be interesting, whether there's deniability here or whether they say, oh, yeah, we meant to tell you that. Uh, we don't know where they're going to go on this. This is, I'm, I'm, you know, once they get past the, you know, the ritual denunciation, I'm disappointed, whatever, that he went and spoke out like that. I am going to be as absolutely fascinated as you are uh, how they're going to deal with the fact that they had not disclosed that there is this t- offer on the table that would get rid of those tariffs like overnight. Um, which, you know, I, I, would re- I really want to see what they're going to say. I mean, they may defend it that they rejected it, but... The question is, well, why didn't you bring that forward and disclose that to people so that we could talk about it and debate that? Because maybe it is a best way to go as a short-term solution. Trump's only got two more years in office. I do not know if he's going to be reelected. Nobody does. But he is term-limited, we know, under the U.S. Constitution to eight years. So even if he is reelected, and that's by no means a done deal, that's by no means uh, clear. Even if he is reelected, he's only there for uh, six years from today, basically, and that's not a long time in the in the history of countries. Well, if uh, Zuckerman's comments were meant to uh, start a conversation, he's certainly done that, oh, hasn't he? Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Ian, thanks yes. so much for this. Have a great weekend. Same to you, Bill. Take Thank care. You. Ian Lee from the Sprott School of Business at Carleton University. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from nine to noon on nine hundred CHML.